Hi everybody, welcome to our music podcast, Altitude Dropping. I'm Aaron Harton, along with Austin Riddle and Zach Mormon. What's going on, guys? Hey, what's How up? How you doing? Hey, so yeah, we've been uh, away for a little bit, and actually we're going to be uh, taking a quick break, or at least I am, uh, for October, but uh, quarter just ended, so as is tradition per every end of the quarter, we're going to do a an update. So we each put together a list of 10 songs each and 10 albums each. We aggregated those and ranked them in order, and we're going to talk about them. So uh, as, as it goes, we're just going to kind of um, run up our lists. Um, each of us is going to maybe say a couple quick sentences. We're going to try and keep it pretty short, um, and uh, we'll go from there. So let's just get right to it, and um, we're going to do songs first. Our first song is Dark Saturday, Metric. Yeah, uh, this album and track kind of like just snuck into the end of the quarter. Uh, it, I, I will say it's nothing super groundbreaking from Metric, this track, but I'd say out of everything on that album, this was definitely one of my favorites. Cool. Uh, moving on, we got Saint by Blood Orange. Yeah, so um, I'm definitely like a, a huge like Blood Orange fan at this point. I think I think Dev Hines is like a really like talented songwriter and a really like special kind of like arranger and producer and all that. And Saint is kind of like the second track off of a Negro Swan, um, his album that he put out, and it's it's this really really nice like really like lived in R and B track. And I think I think like his voice like blending in with like all the other like sort of like guest voices that he he brings on this song it sounds like really really lovely and 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 kind of, kind of like places you right in that scene even if maybe you can't relate to it as well as as other people which is why i like this so much yeah i would agree with that um and then next uh i put this on my list on the sunshine by spiritualized so this is a really cool spiritualized track zach i know you kind of had this like, yeah Maybe I actually, mention. I actually omitted this at the last minute, right, so I'm glad right. I made it on there. No, yeah, I, I really like this track. This is definitely my favorite track off the Spiritualized album, um, and it's the one track, there are kind of two tracks where they kind of go crazy, like, jam session mode, and this is certainly the more successful one. Um, I compared this to, like, early Arcade Fire, and I think in, in very much in, in a praise kind of way, um, this is a really cool track, and it's really fun to listen to. Um, anything else? Yeah, yeah, like I think I, I think I said back when we back when we uh, reviewed this album, it, it felt like when I listened to this song, it it slots in really well with like a like a number of others that you listen to it and you sort of like you know it puts you like you're imagining like like bolting out of school on like a Friday when like the bell yeah. rings and like hopping in your you know hopping in your car and just like like blazing down like a road or whatever like it's. Um, it definitely is that type of song. It's like it sounds like really liberating and really freaky. Right. Uh, so next we have Floodlight by Bliss Signal. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just like stumbled on Bliss Signal, which is actually like a side project between um, Mum Dance, who's like this like electronic producer, and then this other guy who was like in a metal band. And I had stumbled on like an early like single of theirs. Um, which I thought was really really cool. It was like like this ambient metal sort of sort of project. It was it was really really interesting and um like I listened to it a lot and then I literally just like found out yesterday that they put out their debut album 
this past Friday. And, and so while it was kind of like a little, the album was kind of a little too late to make my list. Um, I put floodlight on my, on my tracks just because I like, I like how it kind of like starts off with these like really heavy, like blast beats. And then like, sort of like almost like it sounds like godspeed you black emperor like at parts and then mm-hmm. and then it sort of like drifts off like after that into this like still like pretty abrasive but at the same time like um like ambient like haze and, and i i think it's like a really cool um track and and while i don't know like really how groundbreaking that sort of like ambient metal like fusion is um it's definitely something that's a really like interesting listen, and it's like it's definitely something that's really really cool to me. Right. Yeah. No, I'll buy that. Um, so next, moving on is track for me, and that is "Gold Rush" by Death Cab for Cutie. And um, actually, the reason I even picked up this Death Cab for Cutie album, I've kind of considered them like a band that makes decent music but isn't really all that interesting for a long time. But um, their frontman Ben Gibbard is a big Seattle Mariners fan, and I heard him on a baseball podcast um, just talking about the process and making this album, talking about this song in particular. And listening to this song, it certainly has kind of like that alternative rock, almost pop appeal to it. I think the hook is really cool, and I think the vocal hit, Gold Rush, sounds really cool in the track itself. But really, um, what drew me to this was uh, was baseball uh, among amongst anything that, that it could have been. Um, I think this is certainly the most successful of the album of the tracks on uh, this album, um, and I think it's really worth a shot. Um, I, I know it's been getting some some pretty heavy radio play recently as well. Yeah, I've uh, so, heard it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, definitely on like kind of like your alternative rock station, you'll you'll hear it if you listen to it for a day. Um, so moving on is a song by the Mountain Goats, and that is "Song of Ted Salas." Yeah, it. I mean. Mountain Goats, they're a super folky band. Uh, this song I found on their recent EP kind of like captured a lot of the classic storytelling folk elements the most, uh, which is why I always want to give them a shout out. Yeah, and I actually, I really do like the Mountain Goats. I think they're a very, um, a very interesting band because they put together large concepts when they make music, and I think that's always really interesting. Agreed. Um, yeah, so moving on is... I think they're pretentious by, and they're boring, but... Uh, yeah, says so the guy wearing the Cure shirt! Yeah, um... I mean, anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on is Sleep by Octavian. Yeah, so, um... Octavian's like this British rapper, I guess, and um, normally when you, when you get sort of like rappers from like across the pond, it's usually somebody like Dizzy Rascal or Skepta who are like coming out of like grime which which is like really really cool um but i i kind of like like that octavian sort of raps like he's like he's american like the beats aren't quite as busy he's not rapping like a thousand miles an hour and um like he he kind of like allows like his voice to kind of like fill the cracks that maybe like the the beats like open up for him and um like honestly like kind of similarly to to like maybe like some drill artists like obviously not like quite as like belligerent or heavy as somebody like somebody like chief Keith might do, but, but like in a similar fashion. Um, and I think this track is like really, really good. Like Octavian is like really melodic on it. And then it's got like a feature from, from this guy named Kimbrough, which I think is like a really, really like awesome, like really dope, like guest verse on it. And, um, 
there's there's a lot of songs like that on his album, uh, Spaceman, which we'll talk a little bit about later. But this is probably my favorite one. Cool, cool. All right, so moving on is a song from me, but I'm sure Zach will want to contribute at least a little bit. Uh, it's Missing You by Robin. Yeah. And I I postulated uh, earlier today that the reason I have this on my list is just because Carly Rae Jepsen hasn't released any music this quarter. Um, oh uh, but I will, say, I will say that this is a really interesting track and a really good track. Um, and I am kind of a Robin hater uh, just because of like the rivalry that Zach and I have over which is the better 80s inspired pop artist nowadays. Um, I like this song a lot and I did not expect to. Um, I think it really, really does well and makes what is what is a dated sound absolutely fresh and and really clean. And, and obviously, you know, with Missing You, um, the, the lyrical content kind of juxtaposes with like the super happy beat behind it. And that's kind of what I always dig. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty normal um at you know at everybody at a point in everybody's life where where you know you as a child hate your parents you know for really no good reason so um you know i'll i'll let you work through whatever you have to with robin and carly ray jepson but um you know <laughs> all right moving on uh, moving on, and this is uh, an artist that Austin will always, always give a shout out to, and that is Maggie Rogers. Oh, uh, she I put out a track called "Give a Little." So, Austin, give us a, a little bit about it. Yeah, so this track, it, it kind of, it, it's a little different than the style that Maggie Rogers has kind of been like setting up for herself. But I mean, I kind of can't determine where she's going just yet because I'm still waiting on that full length album. I'd definitely give this one a shot if you do, like, uh, it came out in the summer, of course, so it had a very warm vibe to it. It was really nice, but I'd really recommend uh, checking out the music video for it because, I don't know, it's really cool. Uh, she gives a homage to her skater girl homies, and, I don't know, I dig putting your friends in your music videos. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so so we'll move on and we will talk about a song by Eve's Tumor, right? Yeah. Uh, and that is Noi. And yeah. so uh, before I let Zach talk about this, I will mention that Zach and I have disagreed about this album more than really any album yeah. this year. Um, and this song in particular is my least favorite off of this album, which I'm not a huge fan of. So uh, I'll give I'll give that preface and let Zach go ahead. With it. Yeah. So um. Hartman like really really hates the vote like the like the '90s like alt rock vocals on this song, but but that's um, something I really like about it. And what what I like about this song in particular is for years like people have been telling me that like Beck is good because like he mashes <laughs> up all these different genres. And then I listen to Beck and I just like I think it I think Beck fucking sucks. And um I think Eve's two more does that on this album where he's mashing sort of like the 90s like alt rock vocals and then these like weird like sort of like like horn hits and stuff like this on this album and along with like arca like type like arca the artist type not like archetype I, um yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like like electronic beats and, and it, it kind of like comes together like not uh, in in like a similar fashion to how like maybe like the beastie boys used to like put like stuff like just used to indiscriminately mash genres together in like 
the late 80s and early 90s and and that's kind of why this album feels like really really fresh to me and um that song in particular i think is like sort of had has like become like along with lifetime like the two like calling card singles off of it um but i think it's a really cool song yeah um we're gonna hit these next two uh kind of at the same time um, and, and they're both by Def Heaven off of uh, Def Heaven's new album. So Austin and I, and I'm sure Zach will chime in a little yeah. bit, um, can talk about the two tracks, You Without End and Canary Yellow. Um, I put Canary Yellow on here. Um, and in my opinion, this Def Heaven album is super like consistent and really good. And it's really hard to even pick one track off of this album. But yeah. I found Canary Yellow to probably be the most propulsive of the tracks um, in a in like a in like a deeper sense so it again it's, it's even hard to talk about it i found i found that one to be my favorite just listening back um so uh, you got you can clearly talk about you without end austin um you know the opening track and zach kind of chime in with what you like about these tracks as well yeah sure yeah i oh. with you without end i really I just appreciate how grandiose through instrumentation they make this uh, woman reading a poem that's virtually about nothing. It's about this guy crossing the street and then going back across the street, like chasing like a piece of paper or something. Mm -hmm. And they, they bring like raw emotion to that. And I'm like, man, if you can bring raw emotion and artistic gifts to a man fucking going back and forth on the street in what probably took like 20 seconds and make it like an eight minute song like good shit yeah yeah definitely i actually think that that was a really good kind of encapsulation of there's talk about like street lights and like light and darkness i think that was a good encapsulation of almost like uh life but in a microcosm um mm -hmm. it was pretty interesting for sure um okay so yeah. we're gonna move on uh or zach do you have more um, I was just saying that, like, especially for, like, a, like, a band that's shown, like, a predilection for opening their albums with, like, really dense, like, 10-minute, like, black metal, like, black gaze epics, like, opening it up with You Without End, which is, like, easily, like, to that point, even though they, you know, you get, like, Near and Night People later on the album, like, they're, like, the floweriest track they'd ever done, is, like a really ballsy move and um and it like really pays off it sounds like something off of like the second half of like disintegration or something like that yeah that, that was definitely what you said when you first listened to it and um and when you kind of pointed me towards this album when it first started to come out and i definitely i definitely get that sense the disintegration thing but maybe a, a newer metal term uh a version of it so moving on we have in another life by sandra perry yeah so um this is another artist that I kind of had never really heard of. He's sort of like this, Sandra Perry's kind of like this folk artist, but he uh, incorporates a lot of like electronic electronics and like analog synths and things like that into his um, songwriting. And in another life is like the 24 minute, like opening side on his album. And I really just kind of like how it like bobs like along for 24 minutes and, and, and really kind of like never stays in the same place. And, and, you know, seven or eight times across like the course of this track, you're listening to it and you're kind of saying like, well, how, like, you know, it's kind of like almost like germinating, like in like, you know, as you listen to it. And I, and I think that's really, really cool. And it's, it's definitely something that is real. Like we're not going to hear anything else like it 
this year that's going to come out. Yeah, and that is a track that I have not picked up, so I'm going to have to take your uh, your recommendation and go with that. Um, so moving forward is the song Relatable, Peak OME by Open Mike Eagle. Um, and this is a track of I there. I really like Open Mike Eagle. His album was my album of the year last year. Um, this is just another good track. I think he goes a little harder than he did on uh, his his pre- his album last year, Brick Body Kids Still Daydream. Um, he goes a little harder. Um, talks about how he might be relatable and and kind of in an ironic sense, like makes it <laughs> makes it because he clearly isn't relatable to a lot of us. He's kind of like a you know, famous, quote-unquote, because he's certainly not that big um, hip-hop artist. And so it's it's interesting to kind of hear about his daily life. Um, I've really liked him since last year. Um, like I said, this is a little harder, a little more uh, beat-driven than kind of his, like, low-key jazzy music that he put on his last album, but I think it's really good. And um, kind of looking forward to this new album that he puts out in a couple months, I guess. Um, see where that goes. All right, so we're going to move on. We're going to talk about As One by Suede. Yeah, this track opened up uh, easily the best Britpop album of the year to date. And it, it really... Awesome. <laughs> it I don't know. I It didn't really feel like a Britpop album at all from a band that is hailed as one of the like Britpop uh, like big names. Uh, in general, it felt... It felt like they put a lot more into it than a regular pop artist would. It feels kind of more taking a note from U2 going like big versus just like focusing on poppy beats and such. I really did like a lot of the guitar work and the vocals. It was something that it was actually very easy to drive to. And if you're looking for an album to drive to... uh, Started off with As One by Suede. All right. That song is garbage. <laughs> That's a garbage song on a garbage album. Well, let's yeah. talk about Not a Garbage Song by Oath sure. Grudo, and that is Basehead. Basehead, this is like legitimately that, like, the fucking, like, this this is this rap song by Oath Grudo, who is unfortunately now doing 20 to life on gun charges. Um,. Is like taking a cinder block and repeatedly smashing your face into it. Like, it's like the fucking toughest thing I've heard. Like, the toughest hip hop song I've heard all year. Like, the yeah. beat is the beat is just like tough as nails. And O3 Greedo is really, really funny on it. Like, a lot of like great one liners and things like that. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Mark Carey for playing this song while I was taking a dump at his house. All right. I was there. Uh, yeah, so, so next we're going to talk about, uh, speaking of kind of hard hip-hop, uh, let's talk about a boy band, and that is Brockhampton, hip-hop boy band, uh, and the song Javert. Uh, I, I am maybe not quite Stan level, but definitely the most interested in this, this band. I know that um, their fan base kind of can turn people this, the wrong way. It's awful. Yeah, they, they have probably one of the worst fan bases. Um, yeah, but they're up there I, with death groups. <laughs> honestly, kind of are. I mean, there's um, a lot of overlap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, I do like this track, and kind of, I do try to separate myself from this fan base because um, they can kind of go a little crazy. And I think that the members of Brockhampton are 
perhaps feed into it and are a little annoying, especially on Twitter. Um, but this song is really good, and this song has features uh, Joba, who's kind of like the crazier, screamy kind of, um, you know, cra- you know, wacky member. Is he the guy that sounds like Eminem the entire he time? He is the kind of uh, guy yeah. kind of sounds like Eminem. Uh. I think he's good first, though. Although you can definitely hear uh, the Eminem influences. Um, of all the tracks, I think this is probably the best one. Um, I would give this one a shot. Um, see if you like it before you kind of move further into uh, this album. But but you know, I, I think it's good. Uh, so we'll move on. We will talk about Seven by Tosh Sultana. So Tosh Sultana, she was one of the... I started following her at roughly the time we started uh, this podcast. This was my easily favorite track off of her new album. And interestingly enough, it's the only instrumental track on the album. Uh, while I think Tosh Sultana is very gifted with instrumentals and being able to design her own songs like all aspects of it i feel that she brings a lot more to the table when she's not worrying about vocals and i feel this was a very expertly crafted song all right cool so we'll move on and we'll talk about rem by ariana grande and this track off of the Ariana Grande album was one that I kind of wrestled with perhaps being the best on the album. Ultimately, uh, there's one uh, ahead of it that I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to you know, ruin this surprise for you guys. But um, this, this track, R.E.M., I think is really, really sweet. I think the Pharrell-based production is super nice and super tender. Um, this track kind of talking about... Uh, kind of dreaming about somebody, you know, you have this dream-like atmosphere, really good, really tender. I think the vocals, um, as to be expected from Ariana Grande, are just top-notch. Um, it's a really, really good song, and definitely one I was surprised by this quarter. Yeah, I mean, like, also, like, Pharrell's beat on this song is, like, really interesting, and the fact that it's, like, this super airy, like, almost like classical music like influenced like Mm -hmm. like strings and like like plucked harps and everything on top of it and then like the trap like the trap percussion beneath it is like is like pretty cool and it's definitely like a fresh take on you know a a genre of beat making that i think is like very quickly like i know from my perspective tiring me out so yeah yeah no i'll definitely agree with that i think it's it's really nice um, so we'll move on. We'll talk about It's Not Just Me by Let's Eat Grandma. Yeah, uh, so I I wish I would have heard Hot Pink last quarter. It definitely would have made my list. I was heartbroken when I saw that I missed the train for that one. But <laughs> it was heartbroken. <laughs> I was I was heartbroken. But I this was my next favorite track on it. Uh, there are plenty of other good tracks on this album, but this one, it sounded a lot like Churches. I love Churches. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll agree with that. I think it does sound somewhat like Churches, but um, in a way, it's fresher. Uh, in a way, kind of has like a, like a not overwrought beat making. I think that it's a little lighter and a little more agile than... Um, than like a church's song would be. Um, I do understand the the reference there, though. I understand kind of the parallel you draw. Yeah. Um, awesome. I'm going to kick it right back to you so you could talk about Singers No Star by Waxahachie. Yeah, so this song kicks off the EP that she dropped uh, this past quarter, and this was very 
different from uh, a lot of the work that Waxahachie has been dropping recently. Uh, mm -hmm. It was stripped back. It was piano parts. It, mm -hmm. it felt like it was going a different direction that kind of continues a little bit throughout the rest of the album. And I don't know, it felt very real, very raw, like a lot of her other music. And she had that consistent lyrical, and like uh, she's still very lyrically economic, but she dug in a little bit deeper on this one. Yeah, actually this, I think I read that it's old recordings from 2012. Um, and so the musical differences you might hear on this Waxahachie EP, which we'll get to a little later, um, are probably just from a different... Um, a different style uh, that, that she was into, you know, what is that, six years ago now. Yeah. Um, so that's just interesting. All right, moving on is uh, Mona Lisa by Lil Wayne. This is off the Carter Five, which dropped very recently. It features Kendrick Lamar. Um, and as you know, Kendrick Lamar is perhaps the greatest rapper on the planet right now. Yeah. Um, and Lil Wayne goes beat for beat with him. This is a track about... Um, kind of finding out that your girlfriend or your significant other is cheating on you with another guy and takes the perspective of both sides. Um, Kendrick Lamar takes the guy who is part of the affair and Lil Wayne takes the part of the actual boyfriend. Um, and they they kind of spit bars back and forth and I think they're really, really good. Like, impressively good and super, like, high energy, like, fire uh, versus coming back and forth, something that I definitely didn't think Lil Wayne had in him anymore, um, and and really really was surprised by this track especially um, and the whole album, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, yeah, really good. Have you guys given this a listen yet? I haven't. Yeah, yeah, I have. Like, because I just saw so many people talking about like talking about the Carter Five, and it's um, it's it's. Pretty remarkable on this track and on, on a lot of the other tracks on this album, how, like, rejuvenated Lil Wayne sounds. Yeah. Um, especially after pretty much being lost. Yeah, just in, absolutely in like a, out. In, like, the fucking, like, wilderness for the past decade or so. You yeah. Know, yeah that, be it label woes or just being completely uninspired. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get to uh, Lil Wayne in more depth in a bit. But, yeah, I really like this track. I thought this was really, really impressive. Um, okay, so Austin, this is your favorite uh, track of the quarter, and that's Me and My Dog by Boy Genius, so go so, crazy. So, uh, literally any track from the Boy Genius EP that's going to be dropping this next quarter uh, could have been on my list. Uh, each one of the three Boy Genius singles that dropped on the same day about a month ago, uh, this one was by Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, well, it was it was more of a Phoebe Bridgers style. Uh, Bite the Hand was more of a Lucy Dacus style. And uh, Stay Down was more Julian Baker. This one was easily my favorite because it, it, it does have that Phoebe Bridgers style, which I'm going to fanboy about till the day I die. And... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It felt very emotionally raw, very real, uh, and it. I don't know. She finds some way to bring the fucking banjo in and have it not seem dweeby, and I love that. Yeah, when we heard that Lucy Dacus, Julian Baker, and Phoebe Bridgers were making this boy genius group, I mean, 
That is a that is an altitude dropping combination, especially an Austin combination. That yeah. is just you know a, like a like a wet dream for us. So um, it's not surprising that Austin has this on here. Um, it's something that I actually need to check out. This kind of fell off my radar, um, but I definitely do want to check it out. Okay, Zach. Yes. Yeah. Your track of the quarter, and that is Glint by Deaf Heaven. So we Oof. talked a little bit about Deaf Heaven, but give us your spiel on this track specifically. So uh, this track is kind of like the the centerpiece of this album, um, and it, it's got probably like the the best like guitar playing I've heard on any like one single track over the past like honestly three or four years, and just like how the songs are arranged and and how it goes through like really like six or seven different modes. It's it's a lot like watching kind of like your watching you know like your favorite football team or whatever be like be like down by a lot to like start the second half of the super bowl and then just like come back and come back and come back and like win kind of like kind of win like in overtime the, uh, or something like kind of like yeah. how the falcons blew a 20 yeah. three lead i mean pretty much if you're unfortunately if you're like a like a patriots front runner like that like listening to this song is probably how like that felt it's it's like a really just like complete like starts off like really gloomy and and really like um like dour and ends up like over the course of like 10 minutes ends up being like the most invigorating song i've heard this year yeah definitely um zach i'm gonna keep it with you and uh let you talk about robin's song honey yeah so um we've already talked about how robin is like like the true like og um, and is kind of, you know, definitely like the mom to all like her little kitties, like Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, Honey, I guess, per, like premiered like in rough form on like the, on like an episode of girls. And, and it had kind of been like, like people were kind of like clamoring for when it was going to come out. And it, it definitely like doesn't disappoint. I like the fact that it's not like a strict like verse chorus verse thing like it's sort of like a linear like progression throughout the song um that that robin does really really well um i think it's like a really like subdued like especially compared to something like missing you or like any of like robin's like past um like big singles i think it's like a really like subdued um vocal take from her and I, i think it's a really like cool and like different sounding pop song and um it kind of like really whets your appetite for uh for when the uh full album comes out yeah yeah i i will say this one also impressed me um i'm not gonna give her too much praise just because Uh of the personal reasons um (laughs) this is our number uh moving up to our number two track of the quarter and that is donnie darko by let's eat grandma it's one of three tracks that we had any kind of overlap on uh zach and i both like this track um, I'll, I'll give I'll give a quick spiel on it. Um, it's it's like eleven minutes long, um, and it's got like a bunch of different movements to it. I think, but the part that I like the most is the second verse. And the second verse basically, and I mentioned this in our Let's Eat Grandma podcast, but the second verse basically has the I sound repeated a lot of times, and kind of it just builds all this tension. You can really feel them creating this energy and then there's a part where they say 999 and as they say that uh the music gets louder and louder it's a really really good track a very interesting track 
Um, one that, if I'm going to go back to any Let's Eat Grandma song, um, it's going to be this one. Do you have anything to add, Zach? Yeah, it's it's super cool, especially for people who are so young. I think like Let's Eat Grandma are literally still teenagers, and and for for this like really like proggy sort of song that like go like opens with this like real like XX type like like guitar figure and then drops like right in to this sort of like new order like keyboard vamping and and sort of like coast coast along on that again sort of like cycling through like different different sort of um like movements until you get to this like really like cathartic like finale like finale over the pa- over the final like maybe two and a half minutes it's it's a really like ambit like a lot of this album is is like really really ambitious and and a really um and like a, a huge maybe not like a huge risk because like i don't know how big like the stakes are for let's eat grandma given how young they are but mm-hmm. definitely like super impressive coming from like Art, like artists that are so so young like it, it's really really scary listening to this song and thinking like what let's eat grandma are capable of beyond this right no totally agree um really cool track um definitely excited for more music by them and our number one track of the quarter is the title track off of ariana grande's album sweetener it is such a fun and cool song um basically kind of this very simple metaphor about uh, when life is salty, this person comes into your life and makes it better. Uh, it totally switches gears in the chorus and kind of has this very repetitive hit it, hit it, hit it, yeah. it uh, thing, which um, I had to explain to my girlfriend is a an, an auditory metaphor for sex. Um, really fun track. <laughs> really, really interesting. You have to tell your girlfriend what hit it, man. Uh, she's like, why is she saying it like that? That's just like Abby. Uh, it is because um, it is a it's a metaphor, uh, you know, one right. minute, uh, for sex. Uh. Yeah. So so anyway, um, right. it's it is a it is a fun track. Again, the Pharrell beat on it is very very. Um, I'll say it kind of reminds me of like like angel food cake. Like you can kind of like pick it up. It's super light and airy, but also very refreshing and very um, very sweet at the same time, uh, much like the thing, the title track. So, uh, Zach, anything to add quick? Yeah, I, I kind of, like, drew, like, a completely different picture when thinking about, like, the beat on this album. It reminded me of, like, a like a wooden roller coaster almost, like, the oh, yeah. that it's, you know, and, it, and then it, like, dry, like, it's, it's not something that's, like, looping all over the place, but it's, like, something where you're, like, scaling a height and then dropping down into, like, that, that sort of, like, trappy like chorus and then like back up to like the the mariah carey parts and then like back right back down into it mm-hmm. um but yeah this is this is was my favorite track off of arguably the best pop album to come out so far right right all right those are our tracks uh for the quarter we're going to move on there are less albums but still a lot to get to so we're just gonna hop right into it zach can you take a quick break uh yeah for like a minute okay all right, we're back to talk about the albums. There are less albums, so we'll try and run through this as fast as we can. Um, so, uh, you two, let's limit it to like 30 seconds an album. All right, moving on. Uh, our first album uh, at the bottom of Austin's list is Art of Doubt by Metric. Yeah, this album came out. It's a Metric album. If you like that band, you should listen to it. Yay. All right. Such insight. Um I actually saw Metric open up for the Smashing Pumpkins, and um, 
the album is definitely like really really synth heavy and um definitely which is definitely kind of like a change up for metric given like how like saturated and heavily like kind of like weighed down with like jimmy shaw's like guitar theatrics um they've gotten over the past couple albums but like emily haynes sounds really really good on it yeah she did It, it was it was a darker album to listen to like in terms of sound like it wasn't super dark in topic but yeah all right, so we're going to move on. We're going to talk about the Apex Twin Collapse. Yeah, um, this was kind of like a pretty heavily anticipated EP. It's, it's almost like a mini album. It's like 30 minutes long. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce any of the song titles because they're all like <laughs> they, they all read like like computer code. But, um, you know, like a lot of other Apex Twin stuff. But um, like listening to a lot of this, you get like a really like sort of like continuing the vein from his, continuing in the same vein from his like 2014 comeback album Syra you get like a lot of like highly melodic and yet like really sort of like off kilter like like jacked up rhythm like IDM and um it kind of just like shows Aphex Twin as being like even kind of like t- 25 years deep like in the game still like very restless and and curious in making in making sort of like unconventional and challenging music as he was from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that'll be, that'll be one to come back on for me. Um, pretty interesting. I have not given Aphex Twin enough of uh, a listen. So I will get back to that um, for the end of the year. Uh, at the bottom of my list is room 25 by no name, no name, a female Chicago rapper. Um, you can definitely tell she's been influenced by Chance the Rapper um, more really than anything. And I was talking to Zach about this album today. Um, there's there's a lot of different influences you can hear. Uh, obviously Chance, um, but also I think like the the Knowles sisters, so Beyonce and Solange. I hear a lot of SZA. Um, but what I think she separates herself on is like very very good technical rapping. Um, she kind of came through as like a slam poetry person in Chicago and so therefore she like makes very good lyrics and builds together these stanzas which she can spit pretty quickly um it's an album that you you should really check out if you're into hip-hop um and honestly an album that you should check out to give female rappers their due because I think they are underutilized and underappreciated by the public yeah. Right, moving on, moving on is "And Nothing Hurt" by Spiritualized. So Zach, take it away. Yeah, we we talked about this this album, and um, I mean, I, I had a lot of reservations about it, kind of that, that we talked about like on the podcast, and and similarly to maybe like the Preoccupations album that we talked about from earlier this year. Like the more time I listen to this, and the more time I spend with this album, I feel like it's really like underappreciated and, and I think it's, it's a really good album. And I think, um, like a lot of the, a lot of the songs, you know, like a perfect, like the opening trifecta of like perfect miracle along with like, you know, the road let's go. And, and, and songs like, you know, we talked about on the sunshine a little bit earlier. Like, I, I think these are like songs that fit really well and really, really well into like a spiritualized greatest hits. And I think like, it's, it's a really like kind of stripped back and, and maybe like laid back sort of thing that if this is like Jason Pierce 
Pierce's like final album as spiritualized makes for like a very, very fitting um like endpoint to to that sort of um phase of his uh of his career. Yeah, I I will say um that you know if 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 they're spiritualized fans and they like this album, that's that's great. Um, to me, again, when we talked about this on the podcast, it felt a little bit like watching an aging baseball player just be not as good as he used to be. Um, and and I, I do think there are highlights on this one, but this one didn't connect with me maybe as much as it did with you, Zach. But as you say, yeah. you feel like it's underappreciated. So maybe if I go back in a month or two and listen to it, I might think differently. I just I feel like there's a lot of – I don't know if I said this, but I feel like there's a lot of potential – for this album to like maybe translate with people who weren't really into spiritualized before, just because like he doesn't really, he's not really stuffing like every song with like, like the free jazz, like, like yeah. breakdowns and, and like the choirs and like a lot of it plays like, like Kurt Vile or like Wilco or like the war on drugs or, or, or something like that. Um, just maybe with like a little bit more of like a dream pop bent than a, um, than like an Americana, like, like roots rock bent, I guess you could say. And, and I, like, I think if like you made like the aging baseball player, like sort of thing, like to it more, I feel like a lot of people who maybe like this could like turn them on to spiritualize more so than like turn them off from it. Yeah, no, I'll agree with that. Um, so we'll move on. Uh, and I want to talk about the new Def Cab for Cutie album. Thank you for today. Again, probably one of the more mainstream albums we have on this list, at least up until we get to the top. Um, I, I like this album a lot. And really, again, what pulled me into this album was listening to Ben Gibbard talk about the music making process and how he said, like, it's interesting making music kind of knowing your best ideas and like kind of the best music is behind you. Um, and it and it made me think maybe about like if you run like a 5k or a 10k and having it be like in a later mile and still like having some gas in the tank but definitely not as much as when you first started and it's just an interesting thought experiment really um, listening to this album and saying like this is good and this is definitely death cap for cuties music um, but maybe it's not as um, punchy or not as significant as something like I Will Follow You Into the Dark. And so um, I've come back to this album a couple times. I really do like it. Do you guys have anything to say about this? No, not really. Uh, Like, to be honest, Death Cab is not really a band I've ever liked at all. So, okay. Go ahead, Austin. No, I'm in the same boat. (laughs) Okay, we'll move on and talk about Fantastic Negrito and, and their album, Please Don't Be Dead. So go ahead, Austin. Yeah, so real talk, I, I kind of think you guys slept on this album. I, I figured this would have been something up your guys' alley. Uh, the album that it reminded me the most listening to it was the Thundercat album that I know you guys really liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of very good guitar work. It's a lot of it, it, It's very well-orchestrated music, and it kind of gave off the same vibe that the Thundercat album did. Uh, the only difference. Go ahead, keep going. Yeah, the only difference is I, I feel like he's he takes himself a little bit more seriously than Thundercat. The lyrics aren't as playful, but uh, other than that, I I think it's something that you guys really slept on. I'll have to check it out, man. Um, you're right. I haven't listened to it, so um, I'll keep it on the list. Um, moving on is an album that I put on my list, and that is the Carter Five. 
by Lil Wayne. And this is an album that I came into with very, very low expectations. Um, I just kind of, anything Lil Wayne has been featured on, I've kind of rolled my eyes the last couple years. I don't think he's put together a mixtape that I've liked for a long time. Um, and, and this is coming from somebody who kind of got into Lil Wayne in the buildup to the Carter Four. Um, and, you know, that's like post Lil Wayne, you know, his peak, um, yeah. kind of being really disappointed by the Carter Four um, and then having him not really make music since then. So like being very nostalgic about Lil Wayne's music and like high school kind of thing is what makes this album feel so good. I think tracks like Mona Lisa are really good. Um, there's a track, you know, kind of close to the beginning, which I am forgetting the name of. Hold on. There's a track close to the beginning uh, called Uproar, uh, which features Swizz Beats and kind of has him yelling very, like, early Kanye style uh, as, like, a hype man. Really cool track, really nostalgic. Um, I don't think it's anything groundbreaking, but I think that's the point. Um, I think Lil Wayne is no longer trying to be of the moment because when he did try that, it ends up being really bad, really corny. Um, it's long. It's about 90 minutes long. So um, if you're going to give it a shot, give it a shot in pieces probably. But it's good. So anything to add to that? No. Yeah, like like I like we said when we were talking about um, the Kendrick Lamar featuring, uh, featuring track, like – Lil Wayne really kind of like does come out of the wilderness in this album. And he's like, he talks about like a lot of really heavy shit. Like, yeah. like it's not, it's not like the same kind of like, you know, like how many different ways can Lil Wayne say like suck my dick? Like it's yeah. like, he talks like a lot about kind of like he and his mother's like relationship. And he talks a lot about, he has like a whole song about like his attempted suicide at age 12, which a lot of people like didn't, didn't quite know that that was like like an intentional gunshot wound and not mm -hmm. like an accidental gun you know yeah. self-inflicted gunshot wound so it's it's a really like revealing look into Lil Wayne's like psyche and I, and I think um in a way that like he hasn't really ever like divulged this much of himself yeah you know despite being you know one of like the more like word drunk, I guess, like rappers out there yeah. along with like the steady stream, you know, you know, you know, gallons and gallons of sludge over the past decade. Like, yeah, I think I read something that like, this is Lil Wayne's first album where he accepts adulthood. Um, and I think that's a really good way to describe it. Just like it's, it's Lil Wayne's first like quote unquote adult album. Um, and that's kind of something we maybe talked about with the Nicki Minaj album from earlier. Uh, this quarter even. Um, so we'll move on. We'll talk about the Blue Hour by Suede. So take it away, Austin. Yeah, I kind of covered this one a little bit earlier. Uh, it, it felt a little bit more grandiose that they were trying to really push their like limits as instrumentalists and as vocalists to really develop a, a product that, I don't know, it, it, this album really reminded me a lot of that War on Drugs album that came out last year, except I, I really could tolerate the vocals more, but uh, it, I don't know, it, it kind of felt like the same vibe that that album gave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is like Brett Anderson and Company's like eighth album, I think, 
and like the third since they've like since they like rebooted the band in in 2013 and it's like easily their worst fucking album they've ever done. Like suede have literally been grandiose. Like since the minute they like released animal nitrate in 1993, like there's more like strings like draped all over like Dogman star than you'll hear like in any Britpop pop out in the nineties. Like, I just think it's like, like of their three comeback albums, like blood sports had like the really, really big singles, but not like, but like the like deeper cuts like didn't have like the dark atmosphere that the older stuff did and then and then uh their 2016 album Night Thoughts was the inverse it didn't quite have the big singles but it had like a lot of like the really like murky like dark atmosphere and sort of like like danger that was like present in like the original suede stuff and like this like strikes a really disappointing common ground where it says we gave you one or the other, and now we're going to give you neither. Like, Brett Anderson's vocals sound, like, completely just, like, like he's just, like, shredding himself and, like, can't, like, he can't fucking sing anymore. And, like, the band is kind of just, like, regurgitating, like, regurgitating, like, like, 2001 like u2 stuff like it's a bad album and unfortunately it's a bad album in the sense that like only suede could have made this at this point zach have you ever liked suede yeah love suede okay just wondering. love suede uh <laughs> i do i know like uh this is more of like a disappointment type yeah rant. yeah like because like because suede like low-key have had like a pretty successful comeback and this is just like like this album is like completely deflating. All right, uh, Zach, I'm gonna keep it with you. Uh, talk about Spaceman by Octavian. Yeah, so um, like like I kind of talked about earlier, like Octavian's sort of like this British like like drill rapper. Um, he's got he's got like a lot more of like a maybe like simpler flow and like simpler like simple might not be like the um the right word, but but maybe like streamlined in the in the sense of like. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of what you hear out of it is, like, Skepta or Stormzy, which are, like, really, really busy, like, really, like, jacked up sort of, sort of, like, grind beats. And, and I, I think he's got, like, a really melodic voice. I mean, he raps in a similar way to, like, stuff that comes out of Chicago. So, like, Chief Keef or maybe on, like, maybe on, like, the wordier stuff, he sounds like like a younger, like, Lupe Fiasco in a yeah. sense. And, um, and, I, and I thought that was, like, a really, really fresh take, especially on, like, a lot of the sort of like percussive, like piano, like leaden beats that are like really, really foreboding and and really, really dark. And um, at 32 minutes, and it, it really like flies right by you, and and you don't really you don't realize that it's ended. And similar to like the Pusha T album earlier in the year with like what what Henry said, like I listened to it and and it ends and it like you know, it leaves me wanting more, but like in a good way. Yeah. I have this album just off my list. Um, and I put the no name album right above it. Um, and here's why, um, while I think they both bring a lot to the table, I appreciated the no name album more for a little bit more like word heavy, lighter beats. Um, and what I found, um, kind not even grading's not really the right word but what i was a little underwhelmed by on this octavian album was uh the beat work actually and zach you kind of talked about how you liked it and how it was menacing and dark and it really just kind of reminded me of like 
2017, 2016, like Metro Boom and stuff. And like, it's not bad. It's fine. But it's stuff that like, I am kind of like over a little bit uh, at this point. And I wish it were a little fresher in that sense. Um, but see, that- like, yeah, see, like, you, like, I'd rather hear, like, Metro, like, Metro, like, like, 2016, 2017, like, Metro Booming, like, Metro Booming, like, tracks, like, like, trap stuff than, like, everybody else's, like, approximation of trap, you know yeah. what I mean? No, no, so. and, that's, and you're not wrong, um, it's just, like, a personal preference, I still think it's really good, um, but that's just why I had it just off my list. Um, Austin, talk about Tosh Sultana's album, Flow State. So I kind of touched on it. Uh, I have been following Tosh Sultana since she uh, started in late 2016. Uh, she's uh, homegrown from Australia. She, When she records stuff and performs it, she's the only one on the stage or in the recording booth. Everything that she does is done with pedals and uh, having pre-recorded drum beats on drum machines, shit like that. And she loops a lot of her own guitars. Uh, I've been really excited for this album for the longest time. I wouldn't give it uh, anything more than like a 7 or an 8, but it's still very good. And if you do like... uh, just seeing what people can do just by themselves with a guitar and a couple of pedals, I'd say it's worth a shot. All right. Yeah, so um, now we're going to move on to an album that I put on my list. Again, um, do not let the fan base of Brockhampton uh, detract from what I think is good hip-hop music um, and good, like, what, posse raps, I guess. Um, from like what they call a boy band. I think the music is really good. Uh, the album is Iridescent. Um, it does have like a lot of like, not baggage, but a lot of like overhype behind it. And, um, you know, kind of take that with a grain of salt. But I really like a lot of the tracks. I find them interesting. Um, what I will say is this album in particular does kind of peter off in the back half where um, they like go into like more ballads. Um, those just... I can do it without. I think the track Wait in particular um, is, is a good song. It's kind of about Kevin Abstract's life as a, as a gay man. Um, just uh, uh, really a perspective you don't get a lot. Um, and so I really do appreciate that from this from this music. Um, you know, So give it a shot. Brockhampton, Iridescence, kind of like your pop rap uh, type, type music. Um, let's move on and talk about Hex of Infinite Binding by the Mountain Goats. So go ahead, Austin. Yeah, this is a really short EP. It's only like four tracks long, maybe like 14, 16 minutes, but uh, they it holds up. Uh, it's very folky. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of the folk core elements that I know they sometimes have, but uh, overall, I'd say it's a very impressive album for how short it was. Cool. Uh, so next we're going to talk about Infinite Moment by The Field. Yeah, um, I'm definitely probably, like, I, I've gotten into the field, which is, um, ger- like, Swedish, like, techno artist Axel Vilner's um, stage alias, like, a lot over the past couple months. Um, he's really, like, probably one of, if not the most, like, consistent, like, techno artist I've, I've ever heard. Like, his, his output from, like, 
2007's like from here we go sublime which is like a legit like 10 out of 10 classic like up through like his current current album infinite infinite moment is like is like really really sturdy and really really consistent like not one of those releases drops below like an 8.0 in my opinion and um like this album is definitely like most similar to like that gas album that came out last year um i think it but i i think it's it like honestly might be a little bit better um like it's a, it's a little bit gauzier it maybe like nods a little bit like more to like trance than um than a lot of like uh dance music purists would probably like to admit but um it's it's this really really cool like really immersive like album that like i've listened to probably like for the past like two weeks like every like night like in bed when i'm falling asleep so it's it works as an ambient album it works as like dance music if you want it to um it's a really rich really textured really enveloping album all right one i will have to check out uh you know maybe i missed too much uh this quarter austin we already talked a little bit about great thunder by waxahachie but do you have anything to add to this Really, not much more than we did in the beginning. Uh, I heard Chapel of Pines probably. Uh, it, it came out in the second or first quarter, and it it is a bit of an earworm. It's kind of repetitive, but uh, it, it's definitely something else to pay attention to on the EP. Uh, there's not a bad song on it. They, mm-hmm. like you said, a lot of them are just all over the place because they're at different points in her uh, creative process and. Uh, it's pretty cool to look back and see how you, uh, an artist has grown through re-releasing uh, like kind of a collaboration of other stuff that they've done and kind of like started to work on but never finished. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it definitely sounds stripped back. This was an album that, or an EP, I guess, that I didn't find terribly memorable. Um, but I did enjoy it when I did listen to it. Um, it's good. I it, this is another one kind of right around that Octavian tier where it's just off my list, but definitely enjoyed listening to it. Um, moving on, we have Eve's Tumor, uh, Safe in the Hands of Love. So uh, this is again an album that Zach and I disagree on a bit, but go ahead, Zach. Yeah, um, like listening to this album is is like really really like a a, a mind fuck for a lot of reasons in the sense that like again like Eve's Tumor is taking like this really like sculpted and yet like still pretty abrasive um like electric like experimental electronic stuff similar to like andy stott or similar to like arca or somebody like that like a lot of a a lot of like the electronic like textures like remind me of stuff off of like yeezus um for example but like I i find like a there's a lot of like sort of like alt rock like influence on tracks like noid which we talked about earlier and honesty and like economy of freedom which like which kind of like starts off the album like in earnest after like the like initial interlude and like like lifetime is like a really really great like album centerpiece like i i think i think this is like a really successful album and it's sort of like mashing up a lot of disparate genres that you might not think have a lot of common ground but but it turns out like make like a really really rich combination together whether it's you know like i said like the really abrasive electronic textures or like the the sort of like lame like brit pop vocals or whatever you want like all rock vocals or whatever i think it's i think it's really really cool and um 
it's an album that I definitely sort of listened to and immediately like validated the hype around. Yeah, um, I definitely, I definitely disagree with that. Um, we were, we were planning on giving this album a full review. Unfortunately, that did not happen. Maybe it'll happen in the future. Um, but essentially, um, I listened to this and did not really, it did not really capture me in the same way that it captured you, Zach. Um, I found it to be really repetitive, and I think the percussion on this album thought that it was more clever than it actually was. Um, I think if they did things like maybe mess with like time signatures or key signatures um, a little more, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Like, like honestly, if it were weirder, like Arca, I think is a good example of music similar to this that I really enjoy because it's so strange a lot of times. Um, and then this just never really crossed that threshold for me. And again, uh, yeah, I didn't love those vocals. Um, you know, this is an album we're probably going to talk about closer to the end of the year. So we'll have the same debate again. Maybe yeah. if I give it another shot, I'll change my mind. Um, so that was an album that I thought was a little overrated that Zach liked. So here's an album that Zach thinks is a little overrated that Austin and I like, and that is Be the Cowboy by Mitski. So Austin, I'll let you handle this. I mean, realistically, I was very surprised by this album. Uh, it has a lot of gems on it. Unfortunately, the gems didn't make their way onto my top 10 tracks list. I, I feel like this this album, it's like greater than the sum of its parts. Individually, I don't feel that the tracks work together, but they kind of build to an album that is overall very good. Wait, do you mean it's greater or less than the sum of its parts? I think you just... It, uh, no, the album is greater than the sum of its parts. I see. Yes, yes. I agree with that. I think that each track by itself really doesn't quite work, but they're almost little novellas um, that, that sound really good um, in combination. Um, I will say, in addition to the kind of like great you know diamonds on this track, there are kind of some duds. Um, Unfortunately, Geyser came out last quarter and we didn't quite pick up on it. Um, that's a track that we'll be making our uh, track list at the end of the year. Uh, we will definitely get to that. Um, so now we're going to move on to our top five. And at number five, we have Double Negative by Low. Yeah, so um, Low, I guess, are a, uh, are a like, termed like, slowcore band. They've been around for ages, um, you know, like almost 30 years at this point. But... Um, they're kind of like known for playing like really, really slow, really like, like hewed in sort of, um, like, like really restrained, like guitar rock and, um, like indie rock, like similarly to something like galaxy 500. Um, for example, um, this album is like a really huge, like departure from their sound in the sense that it, like, it sounds like somebody took like that, that sort of like really slow indie rock thing and like dropped like a bomb, like right in the middle of it. And then like, sort of like put, put like their music back together, like with the resulting debris. It's, it's really, really electronic. It's, it's, there's a lot of like vocal manipulation and, and, and things like that. And I think tracks like Disarray, uh, which is a closer, are, are really, really rich and on and, and really evocative. And and I've seen this like this compared to like Kid A in a lot of spots, which which yeah. I don't know if I don't know if like I, I agree with like the um like that kind of like like groundbreaking like like high like level view of it, but like I, I can definitely see 
like the comparison as far as like how this album sounds and um how like like the reinvention aspect of it. Yeah, like it's the, a really, really complete and total transformation for a band that's been around for a really long time. Yeah, like the definite direction change. I agree with yeah. that. Uh, you know, you'd make that bomb reference. Um, I think the first track, Quorum, definitely kind of fits yeah. that. You know, it almost sounds like a bomb at the very beginning. Really cool track, or uh, track, really cool album. And I think it um, definitely interests me when I listen to it. All right. Moving on, uh, at number four, we have Sweetener by Ariana Grande. And uh, for Zach and I, uh, the best pop album of the year so far. Uh, this is a really, really good good album. Uh, the Pharrell tracks on this with all, the, with all that light kind of uh, bouncy production. Really, really good pop songs on this album. Um, I really like those a lot. Um, and even like even like kind of the more like radio friendly Max Martin type production uh, tracks like you know you have God as a Woman uh, for instance or um, No More Tears Left to Cry those are also definitely affecting and I think play up on this album uh, this is one I've come back to quite a bit uh, since it came out and one that I will definitely be coming back to a lot um, do you guys have anything to add to that yeah I mean. It's like, it's like a super, I, I kind of think that like Ariana Grande is like a really, really talented vocalist that maybe hasn't quite like had the beats, uh, the beats and like the songwriting to like back her up on like past releases. And I think like it really all like, con- like all of that kind of like finally like comes into focus, like on this album tracks, like the title track, Sweetener, um, you know, R-E-M. Like, I really like God as a Woman, R.E.M. that we talked about. Like Blaze at the very beginning. Too. Yeah, Blaze. Blaze is like a really cool with like the assist from Pharrell and like, like I really like No Tears Left to Cry as well. And like, it's it's like a really really accomplished album and like an album that's like that with like so much of like the pop like landscape just feeling like so weighted down and like the big like EDM sense and like the big like like the constant like jackhammering like trap like like snare hits like it's like super weightless and super airy and and it's a really it's a really like welcome like respite from a lot of that stuff right totally agree with that um zach i'm gonna kick it over to you for our number three album of the year uh of the year of the quarter and that is a negro swan by blood orange yeah so um Freetown Sound, which came out in 2016, like retroactively, if if you ask me to consider that album now, that might probably be my favorite album of that year. Um, I don't think Negro Swan is quite as like accomplished as Freetown Sound is. Um, I think it's probably a little bit more workmanlike. Um, that being said, Dev Hines more than better than like anybody in my opinion since like D'Angelo probably is in terms of like like R&B artists is able to like kind of like record and like release an album that when you listen to it sort of like puts you in like like drops you into a lot of the scenes on this album like when i listen to like blood orange and when i listen to this album i can kind of like smell the asphalt on the street where where he's getting beat up in like the first first song Orlando I can like I can really like feel the emotion behind like a song like Saint I can I can really like empathize with like the characters in Charcoal Baby and 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 Vulture Baby and and songs like that and I think it's it's really really well crafted and, and honestly like um honestly like low key might be one of like the best arranged albums I've heard this year and it's it's just a really 
like again like another sort of like mind-blowing album from from a guy who even though he gets like a lot of critical love um might still somehow be underappreciated yeah no i totally agree and i think this track or damn i keep saying track (laughs) this album uh this album to me um feels like you you really said it well it feels like living someone else's life for like 40 minutes um i think that as an r&b album this is super well accomplished and i think the vocals on this really tie it all together a lot of the parts definitely sounded like blonde by frank ocean um and that was that was definitely the the comp that i kept coming back to um really good album maybe you know maybe not as accomplished as something like freetown sound which i thought was if not revolutionary when it came out definitely uh, a groundbreaking kind of landscape changing uh, album when it came out and and this one i think just really keeps the momentum going for blood orange um austin talk about our number two album i'm all ears by let's eat grandma oh i mean like we covered uh this album is fascinating it came from uh two teenage girls that are incredibly accomplished musicians just by you can tell by listening to this album i will say that this album was a total tease for me uh zach and aaron hyped it up to be my album of the year i believe uh and that i should listen to it i listened to the first track whitewater and i kind of had this vibe that it was going to be like uh uh like this synthesizer metal album and when hot pink came on i i was disappointed the first time because i was like oh man you mean the rest of the album isn't going to be this way but it it, it still was a very good album I had a few similarities with uh, Church is another one of my favorite bands. So overall, just very well done. And they get like fucking creative with like the the voicemail track and when they're they're like doing that shit with the cat. I don't know, man. Yeah, I agree with that. And of course, in like a in like a less wacky, more musical sense, I think Donnie Darko is super creative too. We yeah. talked about that already. That is that is um, a really, really like Zach was saying. Perhaps risky isn't the right word, but I think it's it's. I I, I almost come back to it. it. It's it's a risky track to put like or a risky thing to do to put a, a track that's eleven minutes long and kind of this sweeping movement changing on like the back of your debut album um and it absolutely works and absolutely plays up yeah Um, it's a really good album yeah um it's it's actually their second album they have um from from 2016 called i gemini which is also really really cool um to listen to but like this really kind of is like the like the church's album that we maybe needed this year instead of the church's album we got um that being said like this is like a super again like like really really scary like if if this like because this album like isn't really perfect like i think i think there are tracks that like like something like cole and collected is something is like a track that i think like really just fucking drags but like listening to stuff like hot pink and listening to like like it's not just me and and of course like Donnie Darko at the end like you listen to this and it and it sounds like the work of like people who have like sat in like songwriting camps and and are just like cooking these songs up in a lab and then you read that they were all done by like 
by like two teenage girls from England, and and it's really really scary, like on par with listening with listening to like how listening to like the debut from the Arctic Monkeys was like scary in the sense that you're like, wow, like this guy's like a teenager and he's like writing lyrics like this. Like it's the same kind of feeling that I'm like, wow, like these two like girls are like teenagers and they're making music like this. That's like super ambitious and super like, like really wildly arranged. It's, um, it's a, it's pretty nuts. Like listening to this album and, and again, like thinking what else they could possibly be capable of. Right. No, I totally agree. Um, we will move on uh, from that track to our number one album of the quarter. I don't think it's necessarily a surprise if you're uh, our one uh, frequent listener, <laughs> but uh, but uh, it is Deaf Heaven. Uh, it is their new album, Ordinary Corrupt Human Love, and who else but Zach uh, to uh, give this one a rundown? Yeah, um, I have not listened to an album more than i've listened to this album this year um this like and and even like listening to sort of like like deaf heavens like older stuff i know like sunbather from 2013 was like super highly acclaimed and 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 like listening to that album listening to new bermuda and and listening to their debut album as well and then listening to ordinary corrupt human love it's like striking how this album makes those previous three albums just sound really claustrophobic and really like monochrome and, and in a way like a song like you without end is like completely like, like kaleidoscopic in a lot of ways with, with the sort of like, like cure influence. And then you get into like honeycomb and canary yellow, which are these like both like 10 minute, like 11 minute plus like epics and, and that don't feel nearly as long. And, and like, we talked about how Glint, like for me again, is like the most like invigorating, like, like track of like the year I listened to Glint, like all the way through. And by the end of it, I just like, I legitimately feel alive. And then you get to like a tracks like night people, which like features like a, like the assist from Chelsea Wolf and, and like near, which are like really like two of like the best dream pop songs I've heard this year, like nestled in and it still fits and hangs together without the course of the album. Like, like deaf heaven, like we're like a really good metal band, like before this album. But I think like ordinary corrupt human love, like they've like become something like much, much more than just like a really good metal band Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. I, I definitely, you know, kind of, I'm going to back up everything you say. And I'm going to say that this album, to me, um, if you guys, if you guys and our listeners ever get a chance to drive through Colorado um, on Route 70, um, it's exactly what it feels like, where there are just kind of these crazy ups and crazy downs, and everywhere you look, there's something magnificent and beautiful to look at in the Rocky Mountains, um, and that's what it feels like. It just feels like you're taking this journey with Deaf Heaven. Um, and no matter where they take you and no matter the speed you're going, you're just mesmerized by what they're putting out there. And I think we talked about how uh, when we listen to this album, that something that isn't necessarily good or bad, but just a, an observation we made was that the vocals almost feel like just another instrument, really, because you kind of can't decipher yeah. the lyrics a lot of times. And I think that's almost like almost what makes it so beautiful and so captivating is that you're really not listening to you know, you're really not even listening to songs. You're listening to, like, these grand ideas just put together in the context of a song. Um, it's really good. Um, of course, um, you know, I'm going to back you up, Zach, and say that I, I also agree this is the album of the quarter and going to be right, right up there at the top of the album. 
uh, list at the end of the year. So there it is. That's our list of uh, best albums of the quarter. That's our list of best songs of the quarter. Um, I don't exactly know what the plan is moving forward uh, for the next month. I have an exam to study for, so it's going to be kind of tight. Um, Zach might put a couple of things together. We will see. Um, we'll, we'll go from there. Um, but until then, we'll talk to you later, guys.